Hello and welcome to a series of very special Dublin International Film Festival podcasts. This year's festival runs from the 22nd of February to the 2nd of March and promises to be an elevated cinema experience. I'm chatting with four filmmakers whose short films are featuring in the programme. We're going to talk about Postpartum by Tanya Notero, Worry World by Jessica Patterson, The Building and Burning of a Refugee Camp by Dennis Harvey, and Pediment by Derek Ukachuku. Thank you guys so much for joining us. You're more than welcome. Yeah. I was delighted. Uh, oh my God, there's just such a, a beautiful mix of films. So I'm just going to um, go around. I'm going to call you out and then ask you to um, introduce yourself and uh, the logline of your film as well, just to give a little bit of context. So I'm going to start with Derek. Hi, my name is Derek, uh, writer-director of Pediment. Pediment is uh, a short film about a precocious boy, Timmy, who embarks on a day's journey to reconnect with an estranged relative, unaware of the dispute between the both sides of his family. It's really beautiful. There's such gorgeous young talent in it. Um, there's a beautiful arc. Um, so we'll. I'm, I'm going to go back and kind of dig into everybody's films and talk first about story. But I, so I'm going to just go through y'all first. Um, to get a, a context of who's in the room. And Jess. Hey, um, I'm I'm Jess Patterson. I'm a director uh, from Dublin of uh, the film Worry World. Uh, Worry World um, is a, an animated short um, centred around the idea of connection in a disconnected world. Um, our logline is <laughs> the price you would pay for connection. And it's like a dystopian uh, kind of animated short about two people finding each other beautiful and um god the such a such a unique visual style and um very heartfelt as well underneath it um i I really got tones of elemental in in moments of it that kind of that that the way the romance was very much so part of the texture of the the world which was which was gorgeous to watch and so fabulous uh dennis hi yeah uh i'm dennis harvey i'm the director of the short documentary um, called the, the Building and Burning of a Refugee Camp. Um, so, yeah, it's a short documentary and the title is is fairly self-explanatory. Um, the film follows three men uh, who's, who sought asylum in Ireland uh, and they find themselves on the streets caught between a hostile asylum policy and an increasingly militant far right. God, and and talk about capturing the mood in a microcosm. Um, it's deeply powerful and unfortunately more relevant than ever at this point in time. Which, it like it's it's a it's a brilliant watch. Um, but it's it's a difficult one, really. When you when you can kind of you feel the tension throughout it. Um, but thank you. Yeah, it's a it's a documentary horror. I think. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Which is a weird way to say it. But... So dense. And Tanya. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tanya Notaro. I am the writer, director, actor and co-producer of Postpartum. Um, Postpartum is like a, a, psycho- a psychological short film that explores the struggles of women who experience postpartum depression psychosis. It explores the detrimental and unrealistic expectations which are set upon women, especially when it comes to motherhood and how due to stigma and many women when struggling are afraid to ask for help. Um, it also subverts social media falsehoods into something visceral and terrifying. Yeah. And again, 
that's something like visceral is definitely the word that you're watching this as someone who's sort of, you know, gone through that mood, that chemical um, drop. It's it's something there's no comparison to it, even like, you know, when they, they kind of lovingly term even the baby blues um, and, and it's something that's so physical that happens in your body. And this this goes to the extreme. It's it's really um, and it's really beautifully done as well, like that, that the, the layers of, of trauma there as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was a tough one. I Like, I don't have kids myself, um, but, you know, I don't I, I made a decision. I, I, I don't want any. I don't have any urge to have any children. But um, and it's it, the questions that I, I that I get asked and how people's response to me um, kind of explaining why I don't is kind of, you know, I've been told that, you know, you're not a real woman. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing out on. And I just know loads of people that have children that just did not have any good experiences. And I think there's so many women that the pressure put on them to be the perfect mother and to be motherly and to be maternal is huge. And it's not it's not it's not necessary or it's not truth for a lot of women. Oh, God, I totally agree. I'm I'm a parent. That was 100 percent my choice. Um, I think like this policing of women's bodies is like, mm. like such a such a ridiculous hangover of where we have come from is yeah. just there and it's there in the unconscious like we might not be necessarily religious there but like that like ownership over you like yeah. why should you be a vessel if you don't want to be like why should why should you even be asked like men do not get asked that question all the time yeah just, I, I, I know right yeah. but it, it's just it's it's something that I just need to get off my chest. Yeah, yeah. And I want to do it in a kind of like a kind of a Lynchian art housey way. Erasure Head is one of my favorite films, and I kind of wanted to kind of do a female modern version of that. Yeah, <laughs> and a lovely performance to boot. Like we're going to go into how you wore so many hats. Oh my god, <laughs> on that, on that, PTSD. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, so we'll go into that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a bad, if not worse, than childbirth. Some of those, some of those roles, and by themselves, <laughs> yeah. alone, tagged on with all the rest. So, okay, so we'll 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 actually we'll stick with you, Tanya, and talk to me about um you you've explained where the 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 kind of concept or the theme was born from, but mm-hmm. how did it become like the practical reality of this script? Yeah, it actually, the idea kind of came from a Louis Theroux documentary and, and I just found the subject um, heroin. And then I, um, I became interested in the psychology of women being caught up in this psychosis. And as I, I researched the subject more, I realized that these strange occurrences and apparitions weren't isolated episodes. And many women's testimonies all had similar similar experiences. Their lives truly became a psychological horror playing out in their heads. And if you think some of the stuff in the film is over the top, it's done compared to some of the testimonies I read. So I kind of, you know, people, these women really believed that they want, they wanted to kill their babies, believing they were sa- saving them. And it kind of begged the question for me is how do you ask for help when you want to kill your child? So. I kind of got sucked down a rabbit hole in that and thought that was kind of a really good thematic question to explore on something, on a topic that I was kind of, that was niggling, that I wanted to work on, that was niggling in the back of my head, you know. And when did you, did you, was it something that arrived fully formed with in terms of how you wanted it to play out? 
or no. was it something you <laughs> I, developed? No, not not even slightly. Like still, when we were on set, we like we had no, we had so little budget for this, and we had to do it in two days. And we were still, I was still kind of changing and chopping and rewriting when I was on set. It was just an incredibly manic two days. Um, I don't know how I got through it, but I had a, just a great team around me and, you know, huge support. Um, my DP is amazing, Colin Whelan. He actually won uh, Best Cinematography there in, at the Richard Harris Film Festival for it. Um, he he like he was just so supportive and he was like so stern and so strict on what we could and couldn't do because I had all these ideas and he's like that's not practical and he always like made sure I had my director head when I needed my director head on and then Johnny Elliott who's the co-producer and he he's one of the actors in it and he was in Glitterbug as well yeah Johnny's in Glitterbug as well yeah he's like just a phenomenal actor great artist and he's an absolute hard ass when it comes to me so he's like had to you know grab me and kind of made make sure I was where I got into character and I knew where the character was and he was kind of watching me and helping me there as well so it was just completely having support around me you know just good support people that I trust my sister as well was on hair and costume and makeup and she you know was dressing me I think I don't know how met God I think that my force ID seen my bare ass numerous occasions <laughs> because I was we were in such a rush stripping off costumes the amount of costume change we had in such a short period of time I think I traumatized a lot of people on that set <laughs> well you got through it oh my god because like that's a lot of ways to get through in two days especially something so visually striking and emotionally intense and like how everything plays out that kind of like layers of texture like it, mm-hmm. that's actually amazing talk to me about the scheme this was was that yeah this was um um it was the yeah the first year but I'm, I think they're going to do again I'm not actually sure but it was um sharp shorts from Vir- in association with Virgin Media and they um it was just meant to be like kind of you know one minute things and concept yeah, ideas like, when I saw that I was like was that discovers and I was like I don't remember seeing it on discovers and, yeah. then, I, and then I was like oh sharp oh wow yeah, yeah talk about yeah. putting what is it writing a check for for like a like a like a slice of cake and getting like a, a three-tiered monster of, of that's what I know like that's fabulous that's just me like you know give me an inch I'll take a mile but it's Daniel and Sinead in version were so good with me and so patient and I just thought, look, let's just let's just let's just run with it. Let's just go with it. And uh, I did, and I'm happy I did. It just it, it turned into something that I just wasn't. Ex- just a small idea, just turned into something that I wasn't expecting to be to be this that big. You that's know? amazing. That's actually that's actually fabulous. And I think also there's something to be said about the backing of um a broadcaster as well like you're you're connecting almost immediately to audience when I think if it's just a funder you're very much so you know like you have to find your audience you have to find your um, things so like I mean you know that in a way people will watch this if they screen it on yeah it it was insane because we were worried about like we had to put up you know um warnings and stuff like that which is fine but we we went up on virgin on the player and stuff and the amount of people that contacted me after it that said that like i'm so happy there's something out there that 
it made me feel that like I wasn't alone in that experience like so many women got in touch with me and they're like the this the lack of sleep you know the you know feeling less of a of a of a person and a mother because the baby's not latching onto the breast and um just yeah this the 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 mind games that you play with yourself due to lack of sleep due to the baby crying due Due, due to all this, so many people reached out and um, it just struck a chord with so many people. Like, I just was not expecting anybody because I was like, this is, you know, it's a bit much. I I was, and I do, I get people after screenings come up to me and be like, you know, get, get, get given out to her uh, now and then. But I think that's just a visceral reaction people have, on, uh, people have to it, which is, which that's, that's what I made it for, you know. And I think if people are challenged by it in a way, yeah. it's doing its job, you know, like it starts a conversation, yeah, exactly. it, gets, it gets something out there in a way like that. And that, that's, that's I made it to be that, like I made it to be to, to yeah, challenge, you know, I'm always trying to challenge women's role in society through film. And um, I think, I think it did that. I think it, like, you know, made people ask a lot of questions about certain things and, and, and people go, is that the case? But I do like, you know, that, that chemical drop off, I think, I think, this is the most extreme version, but like so many women have, you know, it just intrusive thoughts, just a very intense baby blues that that and they're all like physical things that happen to you yeah. or like diagnosed. And it's funny, but I think because for so long, women's issues and like the fact that like it was like everyone's like, did everyone know the menopause was a thing? Like only a few <laughs> years ago, it's like yeah, yeah. I think All women ourselves have like intrusive thoughts without being yeah. <laughs> pregnant with children and it's just amplified then um, postpartum, yeah. But fabulous, fabulous work. So, okay, so um, Derek, this is very exciting. You've been super duper busy and this is your <laughs> focus short. Um, yeah. Like, so it's it's absolutely gorgeous. I saw Robert Higgins from, he's from Lakelands the producer yeah. from Lake Lake. yeah and the yeah. director so he was your producer on this as well so he was my producer in it yeah Hot Media Films and his partner Paddy McGivney was also part of it it was amazing working with them uh yeah we, we shot for three days and it was kind of like that thing where you feel like oh yeah you've been given this budget so you're gonna have you're gonna do all of these things and the money just goes like that and you're like oh, oh god, god yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, we we cast an incredible. We got so lucky with our cast. Like Lucien Coester played Timmy. Uh, at the time he was turning eleven, so he played yeah. ten year old. Um, Nancy Onu played his mom, and then the magnificent Marie Mullen played the grandma Eleanor. And um, and yeah, so yeah, it was just the story we wanted to do, like to just. For me, it was kind of like it all began with kind of like identity and trying to find your roots and trying to, because a lot of people I spoke to, I was watching a documentary that said that titled, Yes, I'm Irish. And it was kind of like a lot of people who were immigrants or biracial that couldn't really pinpoint like where they belong. So at the time I had this friend who was getting married to a white guy, uh, an Irish guy, and there was a lot of things about her marriage and her, you know, not only was about love, but more like everyone had this opinion of, of what's, you know, what she was trying to, you know, things like that, that I felt like, okay, I wanted to write a story that touches on, you know, cultural differences, um, you know, identity and interracial marriage through the lens of, 
you know, this 10 year old protagonist and also for the second generation in Ireland who are still navigating themselves and what it means to be Irish. So, yeah. It's, and it's it's really beautiful. I'm, I really am putting a pin in. I want to talk to you about working with you always find such amazing new talent and working with them because it's such an emotional story. But I'm not going into that just yet. We're going to talk about the story first. I'm going to yeah. go and talk about the story. <laughs> so um, talk to me about working with Focus Shorts. Do you is this something that you um, like, like is the script you submit with? The, the script that you shot with Focus Shorts or do Screen Ireland work on developing it with you a little bit more and like did you find a change yourself as you kind of dug into the idea a little bit more? Yeah so that script um, we had it similar to Tanya. Tanya I loved your film by the way I keep telling you this like I mean <laughs> when I was it on Vision Media it was like I had to tweet about it it was just I still don't know how you do it but like um, so yeah, it was, back at, back at <laughs> <laughs> it was part Love of the Virgin Media's discovery. And so we got shortlisted at the time. And so we developed it with screen with, um, with Virgin Media. So I had like a script editor and everything. And then we didn't get through to the final stage, but we had the script and I had Paddy and I had Rob with me. And we're like, you know what? Why? Why don't we just throw this script into Screen Ireland? So what else would you be Ireland. doing? Yeah. What else? <laughs> what else? Yeah. <laughs> So at that stage, we already had something that we felt, okay, you know, so it was just more like a little tweaks here and there uh, to change the, some parts of the story to, you know, to make it more of a forgiving, you know, to to, to make it a whole uh, piece rather than just, you know, um, yeah. So there were aspects of it that changed along the way uh, through feedback, but there wasn't, we didn't have, it was surprising that we didn't have Screen Island like breathe down on us and say, you need to change this or that. I feel like maybe the most work was done with Virgin Media uh, leading to that moment. And then Screen Island helped us with money, which was the big part for us to to do that. Um, yeah. And you said there was changes before you went into this. So you developed it with the script editor for um, Virgin Media and it did, and you and it it had maybe a more negative end in the original draft is that it had more positive end than the original draft okay so this yeah. this version has a more positive end yeah, yeah it has a positive end uh initially i wanted to end it with you know no 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 hope of of unity but i was like come on with everything going on like there need to be a seed like you know an olive branch extended and you know there needs to be, I feel like me, um, the intention of of art in some way should be to inform and to enlighten as much as create an avenue for like hope. So even the song we used in the film is a song that I've always, like anytime I feel down, I play that song. It's it's by an amazing British Nigerian uh, uh, musician called Asa, Asha. And we wanted to use her song for the film just to kind of like, wrap everything in because of the lyrics of what it's saying it's like what Timmy hopes uh you know in, at the end of the film I, I find that so interesting that you've that you changed tact on that and um, just as a as a kind of creator to go you know people will see it like you want the aim of it to be to build bridges rather than reflect your like negative perception of society which is awful like and that that level of uh generational um mm-hmm 
racism and how deeply ingrained it is and even in like that older generation how sometimes in certain facets of it it's almost acceptable to say like do you know and not like it's just I I find that interesting did you like what was it that shifted it was it was more reading about things on the news and I mean but like I mean part of me as a writer would go oh I want to, I'm so angry at that, about that. <laughs> what Dennis is documenting. I'm yeah. so furious. Like I want, I want to yeah. reflect that rage, but like, yeah. what, what was it? I, I just find that really is an interesting change. Absolutely. It, for me, it felt like at first it was more like the mom's story. Yeah. And so when I decided it was going to be Timmy's story, I let it kind of like lead the way and see, okay, how should this child kind of like, what, what do I want him to to have going forward and then I, I let the adults settle there whatever has been there because we have say like in our family we have like these things where all the, the dads and the aunties and the uncles are having their beefs or whatever it is but like the cousins you know we want to kind of say okay look that's our parents this is our you know we're siblings we're brothers and sisters no matter what um, but sometimes you still get you know the sense of the fathers you know wanting to, to, to yeah so I wanted to create something that since we're looking at it through the lens of this young child, um, you know, to keep it, you know, more like layer it all out and then kind of like roll back in with a with a with a with a an olive branch of 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 hope and you know to claim back his heritage, I think is important. Yeah. Fabulous. And before and just out of interest, before it went did any of the development with um Virgin Media, was it different again or were they kind of more teasing out what was already there? Because I like it was it was more so you submitted an idea, it wasn't it wasn't a script at that stage. Yeah. Uh sorry, what was the question? Sorry, sorry it was it's more like as you were submitting, so you submitted like maybe it was a one pager for to Virgin for that particular scheme that you developed mm. it under. Did it yeah, change yeah. from that at all? Like, did you find as you dug into those themes, it, it started to differ? Oh, yes, or was it yeah. that? yes, yes. I remember particularly um, there was things were meant to be really, really heated between the women in the story. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, again, when we decided it was going to be the story of the child, we kind of like, you know, wrote it in because then, you know, you have the producers come on board, you have the scripts to come on board. And I don't want to be telling a story that's kind of like, so I wanted a balance from both sides. So I was like, okay, look, there's no, there's no good or bad. There's no, every, there's no nice in this story as much as we try to do. The only person is going to be between me. Everyone is at fault. The mom is doing what she knows how she's doing what she believes is best. The grandma believes she's doing what is best, but you know, two wrongs don't make a right. And in each other's eyes, they're doing the right thing. So the grandma's yeah. a dick, though. I, I <laughs> so like, yeah, no, she was very wrong. You know, like the mom, you're like, oh, I can see your point of view, but like, no, no, I think she was right. <laughs> like, yeah. like to stay away from her, like that influence. And I know there's like the humanity and finding the humanity, but like, I think that's lovely. And like, you're on a journey as the viewer watching the 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 story play out and and I think you hold back information so lovely and revealing in a way that it's just like very intimate and and again following that young child like it's just it I'm I'm so interested to how you work with him as an actor so that's that's the pin right there and Thank um, you. I'm gonna chat with you Dennis you were 
maybe didn't necessarily know when you started filming exactly how horrifically things were going to unfurl. Can you talk to me about, um, you know, like why you started filming, what what brought you there, um, and God, and and how you build the rapport with God, like the 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 people in that, and like it's it's so beautiful to watch because there's such a lovely flow back and forth. But yet, as a documentary filmmaker, you don't feel obtrusive, even though you're present, which is really lovely as a, as, as a viewer to watch, because you do feel like you are watching things unfurl. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I work uh, like migration is a theme I, I work with a lot uh, in my in my films. And then also I, I've for a good few years, I've been part of this collective where we sort of try to hand over the means of making films to migrants undocumented people and um so so yeah so this sort of started uh as it's and it probably will ultimately some of the footage will be part of a feature film my second feature about migration uh looking at migration policy so i was interested in it from yeah from so the context of the film is that from january to june uh last year in 2023 the, the irish government stopped providing accommodation to mainly to to single male asylum seekers who weren't from Ukraine, but it did also include uh, some women, including a pregnant woman and a, a couple of un, unaccompanied minor refugees or asylum seekers. Um, so it was like a, so the government argues that they, they ran out of accommodation. Um, uh, but just a couple of days after the, the camp was, was burnt down, they, 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 they found accommodation. So yeah, it's what it looks like to me and because i've worked around immigration for so long is that they were sort of testing the, the belgian government announced that they do that as well that they wouldn't provide accommodation to single male asylum seekers who weren't from ukraine ukraine um last year they announced that uh but then ultimately their supreme court blocked it because uh, it breaks international humanitarian law but um but i think the irish government were testing that out so so uh, i was i was just walk going for a walk one evening and i saw i met sammy one of the three men in the film and he was he was sitting um at the protest at the at the international protection uh office the ipo on mount street in dublin um and the, yeah he was he was one of the asylum seekers who was protesting the what they saw as the racist asylum policy of yeah not providing not providing certain uh, asylum seekers with with accommodation so we got talking uh, i thought it was incredibly yeah courageous like that that he was protesting the situation uh on the street and yeah we we got talking and i was sort of going down there a good few evenings um and then it was a may bank holiday weekend i remember i was i was in i was in the ifi that day watching satan tango they put on that's an eight and a half hour Bellatar film uh and when i came out of that screening i got a text saying that like uh they'd set up a camp like a, a residential camp um around the corner on salmon street so then i went down there uh to just bring some food down and things like that and that's when i met simon um and we got talking and uh i i had yeah i had filmed a little bit with sammy because i was just documenting i yeah documenting the protests and then when i met simon and saw the camp i asked if i could if I could film there as well. And and so I was basically, uh, I was there for, yeah, the, but the two week, like I was there most days for the two weeks that the camp stood, um, until, until it was burnt down. And I'm, I'm sort of, yeah, I'm like, I, 
I've, I've worked a lot with people uh, who find themselves at sort of the sharp edge or the bare face of, of European migration policy over the last while. So, uh, um, and my my approach is usually uh, to sort of build personal relationships first, and and like I, I always maintain those personal relationships. They mainly become friendships as well after you know, or through the work and, and after the work and things like that. So. Um, yeah, so I was, I was just, I was just in the camp, like a lot, sometimes with the camera, sometimes without it. And, um, and got to know, got to know Simon, Sammy and Hasibala pretty well. And, and it also helped that. So I actually, I live in Sweden, like, uh, but I'm, I'm, sh- I have another, another film, a separate film I'm making in Ireland. So and I'm back a lot. So I'm over and back quite a lot. Uh, but, but both Sammy and Hasibala had, had, applied for asylum in Sweden. Hasibala was there for eight years, like um he, he says it in the film. And so we could speak in Swedish and there's something nice about that. Like it it this it's such a weird context, especially for I suppose for both of us to be in Dublin speaking Swedish uh on the street. So I think that that helped us get get closer and and then Simon is just such a like a, a charismatic guy. He's just a real funny guy and he was like we just got on real well and stuff and, and he was he's into he's sort of interested in filmmaking and stuff like that. So he was like, he was directing scenes as much as I was like doing the tour of the camp. He was like, Oh, come on, come on, come on. Let's do like, I'll show you around. We'll do like a, like a tour of the hood or whatever. So that was really nice. Um, uh, and Sammy, yeah, Sammy had also, Sammy had also been in, in Sweden a good few years ago and had actually got, had got uh, a, a, a sort of a protection. He didn't like technically get asylum, but he was, he had like political protection in Sweden, but then Sweden applied to join NATO, and part of that application was to that they said to Turkey that they would deport uh, Kurds who had been given protection in Sweden. So he, it's there's all this, all of us is like people who get caught up as sort of geopolitical pawns in these sort of horrible, horrible games, and then and then the far right come in, uh, and are so like I find it it's. The fact, so the fact that Sammy has to, like Sammy speaks so much more sense and is so much more well schooled in Irish Republican history uh, and Irish history that he has to sort of like discuss things with people like Philip Dwyer, one of the the main far right activist agitators. It's just so absurd. Like like Sammy was a. Um, uh, in a communist party in in Kurdistan, Turkish Kurdistan, years ago, and, and spent 120 days on hunger strike, and is is actually a serious political actor. Tell me about your feature that you're working on. It's it, that that's in line with this, is it? It's yeah. So like I'm I'm looking at uh, it's it's sort of the the like that that since 20, 2016 or 2014 2016 th- yeah. there's like shift in in eu migration policy um uh which is aims to to stop migration at source and yeah. and deter deter people from from coming so and the, like so the sort of we have this sort of si- situation now and it was documented brilliantly by Sally Hayden uh in her book my fourth time we drowned um that the Mediterranean migration route has become the most the most deadly in the world. So we have we have this like we've mass death at the at European borders, which coexists comfortably with freedom of movement for most people within the within the border. Um, 
and so I'm I, the film is is going to look at how do you how do you operate that that system? How do you operate mass death uh, beside freedom of movement? Well, I'm, I'm going to move on, but if we can help in any way, keep in touch with us. If we, if you need anything shared or like if you've any developments, do keep in touch with us. Anyway, sorry, totally off topic. I'm just like <laughs> riled up now. Um, so but but it's it it's so it's so powerful and it's so well put together as as a piece of film as well. I definitely I'm going to dig in more again, Dennis, to your process um a little bit um later. Um, Jess. Like yours is so gorgeous. There's so much, um, uh, there, like it's such a it's such a strong visual story. I'm very curious to like what this looked like as um as a pitch for frameworks. What this looked like as a script because like I'm I'm picturing it's like like squiggle, <laughs> like a mass is a circle. Like and I'm like, how do you describe this in script form? <laughs> like. Yeah, no, thanks so much. Um, so yeah, it was a, an interesting process anyway. Uh, like it was written by Hugh O'Connor and he comes from a predominantly live action background. Um, but he, uh, I met him at the Galway Film Fla back in God, 20, 2018. Um, and, uh, he just completed work on, uh, a short film, like an animated uh, special, kind of like 30 minute, uh, uh, feature kind of short feature <laughs> um, and uh yeah one of those in between ones with, uh, with the guys and um it was beautiful it won a bunch of awards and uh but my film was up there at the same time so he uh and he got in touch anyway and said like here i'd love to make an animated short that's like like a short short because <laughs> i think the the 30 minute one had it was like maybe a six-year process or something like that so um we were uh yeah so he teamed up anyway he sent me the sent me the script and like it's it was predominantly like there's very little dialogue in the whole short anyway so it was like really descriptive he built this like entire world and this kind of dystopian not so distant future uh world where everyone's thoughts are on display and um it just yeah that's to me like i could instantly kind of start visualizing how we could play that out in animation and i think as well like we wanted it to be like i work in children's in animation for children's television uh, mostly uh so this is like a real outlet um to kind of step away from that and do something much more um kind of i don't know darker <laughs> i guess um and have a bit have a lot more fun with the design um it didn't have to be kind of sweet and very like an appeasing uh we could be as weird as we wanted um and i really yeah, really loved uh he's writing i think uh it the one thing was that he had maybe like a, a seven page script but because there was no dialogue it we like at one point it, the animatic was like god 20 30 minutes and that was what we were trying to avoid just because you could keep building and building and building and you wanted to add things into it but uh so yeah we uh we had about four or five different iterations of the script into like an animatic i think a storyboarded too many too many versions so uh yeah it was a good it was really cool um pre-production process that was quite different for me anyway fabulous and when you're designing the world so he just comes to you with words on paper and you help design how those visuals will manifest do you get down with the pen and paper yourself do you get storyboard artists in at an early stage and is this before you submit for the um framework scheme or during the process of that oh yeah so um like especially with short films like as a director i like the and coming from an animation background i like being the one to do the storyboarding um especially because like, it's a short film if it was like tv production i think there's like storyboard artists who are 
like world class that you can just call on. <laughs> so for this, I really wanted to be like um, really kind of in in and hands on with the project. So uh, yes, uh, he came with the script, and I started kind of storyboarding and coming up with an animation style. And um, I started with the characters, and it focuses on um, basically a boy and a, and a girl in this kind of dystopian world, and I just kept kind of redrawing the same one or two that just kept coming back to and coming back to. So they became our, our protagonists and the style was kind of set that way. Um, going for the Frameworks pitch, we I, I'd done a Frameworks film before, back in 2018. Um, and uh, so I was kind of familiar with the process that way. And um, I had the producer on the short who I've worked with a couple of times, Shauna Cullen, and um, we've worked together with uh, the production company we're with as well, Jam Media. And uh, so we were quite familiar. So we were uh, like that kind of made the process quite easier. And um, so we went, we'd have the script, you'd have um, storyboards, you went with character designs and you would kind of try some like world building designs as well. And you basically just have to lay it all out. And similar to how you would probably pitch a live action film where you get reference images and so on, be like, this is what we're going to go for. And um, you just do the same. It's just like a bit more, a bit more drawing. <laughs> Fabulous. And would they develop the script or would they, would they be like at the frameworks level or would anything have changed at that? Um, and, and are you, it's our Screen Ireland and RTE. Are you dealing with both? Or is there one person assigned maybe from either? Basically, when you're pitching, there's four people. So they have two or three representatives from Screen Ireland and then um, a representative from RTE. And they're, they've been very good. Like, I think like Derek was saying like, as well, like not very, like when people come in, and they're not very hands on. Like they, I would have thought that they would have been um quite kind of like strict with your, when you submit. We ended up, um, I got pulled onto a different production and, um, in my like day job <laughs> and uh, and so that, that we ended up being delayed by um, a couple of months so they allowed us to then submit for the FLA um, almost a year later uh, so we, we had a bit more time then to, to work on the film which is really cool um, yeah yeah because it's so like I'd say it's so labour intensive as well and like that it's not like you have your one shoot and then you're done it's like you're constantly tweaking and tweaking and tweaking yeah, um, did like, you did the, did anything kind of get cut out that you were like, oh, that's too big or that's too much or we would have done something a different way and in oh, the, like, the development yeah. process? Like the whole thing. <laughs> we did that. Like, we developed it. We developed probably five different short films. I think the very first one was hugely long and uh, we got to a point in the animatic where we're like, this isn't we this isn't like we're meant to be doing a six minute short six seven minute short um but to fit the entire there was so many different arcs and different character things coming in and i think you could have spent about six minutes um explaining the world almost to the audience and kind of introducing them to this this space so i kind of regret a little bit that we kind of rushed through uh, maybe some bits that i, I would have uh, i would have preferred to spend more time on but yeah god we had um we had uh, the our main character had uh, like a terrible home life at one point where she was kind of she's going into work this terrible place there's like class divide going home terrible home life finding a romance there's three or four kind of moments before they decide to just pick up sticks and and leave and we had to chop almost all of them <laughs> basically and trying to condense it down into um something that's still read and uh, quite clearly and didn't confuse people too much uh just with the scale of the of the of the story. Uh, but I, I think we, I think we got there. But still, I'm, I'm, even though we, we finished it up in June, I'm still kind of going back in my head, like, ah, oh, I wish we could have added this, or changed this, or built this in, or a little bit more time. You always want more time, I think. And and what's the process like in terms of workflow? So do you like 
like do you do a good chunk of the work and then have like artists that you work with that you go okay you do this section like do they do frames do they do a character like how do you like how does it work in animation how do you divvy up the jobs yeah it's quite it's it's so different because I love hearing um like from from the other filmmakers here like their production process because it's such a different experience than in animation we're like these kind of people just hold ourselves away for a few years and you don't see or hear from us <laughs> for a while but um yeah so what we would do and um, we started off with our um like say script development get the animatic going and your animatic is basically once that's locked that is what you draw and you animate to so I don't know whether in live action for a short film you would do kind of a rough pass of your edit before you go out and shoot so you can kind of time things out or if it's just you shoot and then you edit after so we do like a full pass basically of all your storyboards and everything that's in frame that is what will be on screen at the end of it in some sense or form you might like tweak a little bit and um, but from there you kind of start developing we had a bit of time thanks to screen ireland to develop the visual style a bit further and uh, we spent a good bit of time trying to lock that animatic day and that was the most important part so that's why we had so many iterations um and once you get that animatic locked uh you kind of in tandem you'll get your backgrounds designed you'll do your your character designs get them we did a hand-drawn animation using photoshop which was another uh, after a while we kind of question why we did hand drawn um, normally like to speed up the process you can like rig characters in certain programs and it, it really helps you get a lot of kind of uh, help from the computer in that sense while this was all just hand drawn by the animators themselves um, we had a team of maybe like six animators at first getting the full kind of pass and then we brought in a couple of extras uh, to get us over the line um, we, and then at the same time, we had people designing all the backgrounds, people doing compositing and special effects, blending it all together. So we had a team, I think over the whole two year production, we had maybe 30 ish people, I think on and off, never at once. It was always in, uh, in kind of ebbs and flows, but, uh, I generally was like diving in where kind of needed, but, uh, thanks to, I really, I really needed John, our producer at times to be like, you're directing, get out of there, stop animating stop drawing <laughs> like instead be uh yeah be more kind of hands-on across all departments so that was yeah a bit of a learning curve for me I'm not great at that and Jess talk about like an A-list cast like, <laughs> oh my gosh. that was, that was the biggest thing <laughs> but, like you calling on those mates over in Hollywood oh here basically that was we were like Hey, hey, Hugh, like you are, he, he knows he, he's such a great sport as well. And he's also so experienced in all areas of film. Like he's a writer, a director, an actor, like extraordinaire, a uh, photographer. Um, and uh, yeah, so we were kind of, we were hoping that he would do, because there's only a couple of lines, like, and we wanted it to be very kind of soft and subtle. Um, but I'm yeah. an up-and-comer. What's the name? It's like, oh, I could, I could, yeah. I could ask Donald. And, and it was so nice that, uh, it was so great him to, to ask him but also like just to get the support for like poor Donald was like do you need me for this like are you sure like he was <laughs> it's like it's, it's only a couple of lines and um he was in the middle I think of a big move for a different production so uh it was just really really kind of him to to jump on and then we had Florence Adabambo as well who was she was lovely she was away I think uh studying over I think she was in Germany at the time so it was very much uh like it was just a lovely kind of support system from them that they, they, they came on board. They liked the film firstly, because I think if you spend a year trying to build a film up, you're like, I don't even know if this, if this is good anymore. Uh, so the fact that they came on, <laughs> we're like, okay, cool. Got that signed off. At least it's not terrible <laughs> if they're agreeing to be part of it. So that was, uh, that was really nice of them. 
and they were brilliant as well. They added so much. Oh, fabulous. No, really, really wonderful. Um, actually, speaking of actors, um, I'm going to I'm going to go to you, Tanya, again, because <laughs> um, you you were writer, actor, every role going on the production. And you were saying you were working with um with Johnny and getting your performance there. Mm. I'm just I'm just wondering, like, how did you balance that on the shoot? Like be, that was supposed to be like, and funded for a very, very short shoot. <laughs> how, yeah. did you, how did you wrangle it all? That's kind of it's a repressed memory, I think. Childbirth, <laughs> you forget about it after, yeah. and then you go, oh, it's amazing. Um, all the endorphins of it getting into festivals. <laughs> I, I oh god, I think, I think right, like right, like I, I, I end up writing and directing because I, as an actor, I hated the fact that I had to wait, rely on other people. Other people had to allow, like give you the okay to work, and I'm really impatient, and I just like working and I like being busy, and I hate when you know I'm not. So I just start writing roles for myself, that things that I thought might suit me, and things that I thought might be, um, kind of what I, you know, yeah, what I'd like to, what I'd like to portray. And I think with that, I as I was writing it, I was kind of figuring you're figuring out the character so you're kind of figuring out emotional beats as you're writing them so they're all there anyway and um just research just watching documentaries and watching like research and watching kind of films that were similar um yeah but yeah that's that's kind of it wasn't like a crazy i think i think when you're writing it you're doing the prep anyway i think i think if you're producing it and and like trying yeah. to get into the head of being like you know being in the moment I can't imagine those two things because there's nothing you're more than if you're like doing the the production stuff where you're going oh yeah, my I, god and I was like late, living in- their lunch is at three come on everybody. you know <laughs> I was like living in France as well when I before when I was trying to produce things everything was just it was the whole it was a mind f <laughs> Like it does not come across, but I'm just wondering how do you do that and then deliver something that deep? Like how? I just think I have a lot of anguish inside me. <laughs> just wants to get in. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Um, it, it as I said, it's just have it's just prep. It's all about prep, like you know. But also when you're when you're there in the moment, letting that prep go. And um and just like haven't like just haven't like I had Johnny at Johnny was there for a lot of it and he'd be looking in the monitor and he'd be kind of you know doing usually what a director would do um is be going like oh you're 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 a little bit too much there or you're not enough there like and just little subtle things like that it's all about just having just having the support around you you know and prep just prepping just knowing your character inside out knowing what where she is and I kind of. Because the, you know, I got the shooting schedule and I was like, knowing which scene I'm marking it off and I'm right, this is, this is the emotion, this is where she is now, this is what I need to portray right here, pinpointing it and just kind of little techniques that I have to get into that. But I mean, I was very stressed at that time anyway, so I was kind of in that mindset, <laughs> you know. Love that. So you're channeling your frustration and exhaustion yeah. into. I mean, it is true. Yeah. Like it is. Like it's almost yeah. method in a way. You are living it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and I was. I was just it, like, as I said, I was living in France. I was just 
home from from I've been on like a, a writer's course, writer's residency over in France for a couple of months, and yeah, I was just just absolutely exhausted anyway getting on set, and I think that helped a lot. <laughs> And what was the um, kind of like it, it two days shoot, like so many pages to get through. Was there any time you were like, what have I done? Obviously, the result is fabulous. Or could you start to see it come to fruition as you were shooting? No, no. Like, I, I was just like, this is not going to work. This like by the end of it, I was just like this. I don't think we got what we needed. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to be coherent. But um. I just got then, yeah, we had to actually then me and Colm had to go and do do one or two pickups after then. And then I got a great editor who, John say, and we set in and we just reworked all the stuff. And then I got James Latimer on to do sound and he did great stuff with the with, with the sound design that just and it just all came together because of, you know, because of the team I had around me. Wow. Okay. Well, that that is very impressive. And again, with that, um, and you were saying that like it's it's having the supports there and having that talent yeah. behind you. And do you think it is because you know you've been in the industry in different roles and in performance yeah. around that you had that network going in? Mm. Yeah, it is. It's, it's just it, it's it's kind of as well when you when you have a vision and it's it's not net. It's kind of going a different a different way than you expected now I I it's it's letting that go as well you know it's like right okay it, I, I I actually want it was actually going to be a lot more gruesome than I but it's so <laughs> tense like when you're watching it if it was I think I'd I think I would I would have be like been much. like I would have been like I can't because I, I was so tense watching it because you are yeah like, and you're like oh, it's like the, the reality but it's like that when there's a baby when there's a puppy like you just yeah. you're like oh my god I can't <laughs> and I think it worked out I think it worked out best because I tend to like I the films I watch as well they're all very heavy and I tend to like stuff that goes you know goes right for the for the gut the, and the jugular <laughs> and I think that the little bits that we didn't get that we couldn't do and um, because of time because of money because of loads of different constraints kind of it worked out worked out in the end you know but I didn't think at the time it was going to I was like this is a mess I, I can't show this to anybody <laughs> this is going to be terrible but there's an experimental nature to it as well yeah. that yeah you, you know like things are going to be different like it's it's not that kind of clear cut and dry you're looking for this thing it's almost like finding yeah. that but you like you definitely found it and and you were saying like a lot of that had to do with the sound design which I find very interesting are you in the room for like the majority oh, yeah. of that or is that yeah yeah, like for like uh, like, I I'm a bit of a control freak, <laughs> so I have to, yeah I have to be in the room for everything. And you know James and and John, the two of them were like I was like no I want this or I want this needs to be tweaked. And, and sometimes I can get like you know my vernacular around certain things is not very clear. Um, but they were just so amazing to work with. You know they really understood what I wanted and anything like if I'd say oh no let's put this here or do this or do that and they'd be like yeah got you and would just do it and it's so wonderful to work with people like that and would you trust your own creative instincts a lot more now going like you pulled that out of 
like do you know yeah. like you kind of created that out of out of such little amount of clay you created something mm. very structurally sound very polished very high end like that yes. like if, if you got a if you got a high budget you'd be dangerous that's what i'm saying <laughs> do you know what that's really true because we all like imposter syndrome is such a huge thing and I, i'm sure everyone on this panel like feels it all the time and I'm terrible for it like I'm so terrible for it and then after this I was like oh okay I think maybe you know I should listen to myself a little bit more and trust myself a little bit more but I, the next time I could get it so wrong it's it's all a learner it's con we're constantly learning it's a huge learning process you know the top filmmakers get things wrong sometimes so it's I think it's all like it's all just trying. It's just trial and error. Um, then I don't know. The next, the next thing I do could be completely incoherent. <laughs> I hope not, but it's, I think, yeah, I think, I think trusting, tr trusting ourselves is a huge thing, especially when you're starting off. Um, um, but yeah, I think this, I'm going to trust myself a little bit more with, and that could be a bad thing too. <laughs> well, that's it. Like you've, you've sort of delivered on, and, and really Thank like, you. I kind of think it's, it's not easy to touch on things that are that dark and mm. give them the justice they like, you know, like you kind of owe subject matter, like a certain level of something. <laughs> I don't I don't know what that yeah. is, but like, you know, like a certain level of um, space. And I think this has created that and brought it down to that in a very like authentic and challenging way and and like it it does it so well. So that's why when you were telling me about the resources, I was sort of floored by that. Um, Derek, yes. So the performances, yeah. oh my god, um, the chemistry, and again, I, I, you just find this talent and nurture it in such a way. I just, I really want to know about, and you do this in all your films, like in all your films, you, you create something that's that's true. You, I, like, I'm just curious to how you get to that, or how do you find, how do you find your cast, how do you work with them. For Pediment, we were very fortunate to have a casting director. This is the first time I've worked with a casting director because we normally don't have the budget for it. So we had Barry Coyle uh, at LKC to help us find um, the actors. I already knew Nancy, uh, but I never had met Mary Mullen. I knew of her work and I never had known um, uh, Timmy the Lucien. This was his first gig. So we spent time to look for the, the you know, the, the child, the protagonist. And I we looked through many actors. Now there are not many um, by mixed race um, young actors of that age. But one of the things that stood out was we had, we had to have them sing, send in tapes of them singing. And so we got like, you know, very cute. Like Mary has a little lamb kind of thing. And Lucien's one came in and he was singing Old Time Road by Little Nays. Is it Little Nays or Little Nays? Uh, Old Time Road to the Country. Then I'm uh, going to write no more. And he sang the whole verse. And I was like, oh my God, that's Timmy. Uh, yeah. So, and then we called, brought him in and, you know, he had this very, he was, he's so, he's really the character. He's so precocious. He's very smart. He's, his both parents were there as well. His parents were so lovely, very supportive. I mean, he was even helping us sometimes with continuity issues. Like the dude was like really, really a star. And, um, yeah. So that was how we got it working. And he really, again, like there's such emotional depths and there's such a, a level of charm that he presents on screen. What's yeah. your process in working with him? Do you, workshop with him ahead of time do you have conversations how do you get him to be so in the moment 
Oh, so I wait for him to get tired. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, we had a rehearsal with the, with uh, Nancy, who's going to play his mom. We met up in a, we, we were able to rent the studio, the lab, lab studio. And then we had like just a few hours of them getting to know each other, getting to get more comfortable with one another, just reading the script. And then on the day, you know, we just give him a lot of sugar, let him exercise himself. And then, uh, but like, you know, he's, it was very good working with him because he, I, I would just kind of like explain the story to him and tell him what his intentions are. And I just I talk to him like I'll talk to any other actor on set. And, you know, he, he, I feel like the more I did that and I bring him behind the scene as well to watch the monitor. So he sees his performance and he sees himself. And that just makes him even want to go ahead and do it more and more. And so, yeah, I think that was one of the, because I've never worked with a child actor before. That was my first time working with a very young actor. So I felt like it was, and I got advice, like I, I contacted mentors and asked them. Um, Mia Mulaki was one of the most helpful ones as well, because she's just done, um, uh, what's the name of this short now? E. Anyways, I can't remember. She did a Screen Island short last year and she worked with- Safest Houses. Safest Houses, Yes. And Mia is also, Mia was just, cause she gave me a lot of advice and she's already was a child psychologist at some point. So she knows all the ins and outs and how to, and I applied all the notes and just, I just made Lucien feel part of the team. We gave them enough, gave him enough rest when he needed and just brought him along as much as possible and made him to feel like he has an opinion as well. So when I'm just telling him, oh, stand here or do this, sometimes he'd be like, oh, can I try this? Sure. Why not? Go for it. And, you know, I, he loved that. And that was, it was, yeah, it was an eye-opener for me as well because it was my first time. So I enjoyed it. I really did. Brilliant. Oh, that's fabulous. And Dennis, then I, I also, before we go, because I'm so aware of time, um, I would love to know what it was like editing that because I, in a way, like watching it, it was quite harrowing um, and knowing the people involved. And I think like, God, your subjects are so kind of charming and fun and knowledgeable. But then you see sometimes, you know, the the kind of that slip and the hurt that's behind it all. And I would say editing, you know, like and there's an optimism to the beginning of this that's really like cut through. Um, I mean, like it's not a spoiler. It's it's literally the title of the film, so I can say. But like, I'm just curious to what was your edit process like for this? Because what I think is beautiful, you give time like you give us time with their subjects it, you feel like you're you're with them really in this very personal way and I'm and I can I can kind of hear a voice and I'm just wondering how you find that yourself as a filmmaker like the process the, the edit uh so usually when I shoot shoot stuff like I usually work uh what well, I, I made my first feature which I released last year uh took eight years to make. So it was like, I mean, it was a temporal piece. It, it took place over seven years. So I used to shoot footage and then sort of step away from it for like six months and then come back to it fresh. But this was like the complete opposite um, where I'd like shoot stuff and then sort of go home that night or the next day and just be working with it. Um, uh, Cause it felt like things were getting so steadily worse every day sort of thing. And, and the threat was rising that it felt I needed to work with it a bit like uh, right away and so I sort of like yeah I had just sequences basically and then like just two days after the yeah when the camp was burnt down and after the confrontation between the the left-wing activists defending the camp and the and the far right um attacking it 
like that was the worst political experience of my life and the uh yeah one of the most intense filmmaking experiences um i had to like like we were sort of surrounded by the fire right and, and when people started shouting smash his camera i had to like stop filming and take the card out and you know take one i had two cards in so to take one card out and hide that on my person because i sort of expected the, the camera to be to be smashed and stuff but thankfully it wasn't uh but so it, it was such an intense experience and and fairly traumatic experience that like working with the footage there was something um a little bit reassuring about that just to to be able to like to watch through it and experience it again and it was i was sort of shaking and stuff when i was working with it first uh, but then after a couple of days, I had like a 40 minute cut that I shared with my really close friend, uh, the author and activist Tom Rosengrave, who I was living with at the time. And he he was there at the camp a lot and was one of the people defending it. So it was nice to get his thoughts. And it was basically just like, yeah, this works. Like, And then I started, uh, like I knew it wouldn't be 40 minutes. So I started like cutting it down and sort of, you know, rearranging it and and yeah, and like, sort of waiting it more that we get to know the we get to know Sammy Simon Sammy and Hasibala in the camp and the sort of the, the, the like you said the positivity of the camp first that there's they had a workshop they were painting they were making protest banners they were reading someone was giving language classes Oscarelga and in English like you could see that in the camp so it was to sort of build that first and then introduce the far right and their and their destruction um and I have, I'm really lucky, like in, in Stockholm, I have a really close uh, community of, of documentary filmmakers who I who I trust very much. So like uh, one of my producers, uh, Elizabeth Marjanovic Kronval, was, uh, she was like quite involved in the process after, the, sort of in the, in the autumn, uh, after I left it for a few months to sort of just, you know, process it a bit more. And then, and then we went back and, uh, did a sort of another few passes, like went in quite a lot um, wow. and brought it to where it, where it sort of ended up. Yeah. Cause you do, you like, it, it, it's um like in a way it's very sort of restrained because you know, like, I mean, you could have it this very heightened thing, but, but I don't know. You, I think it's just the pacing of it was very distinct and it was, it was, it was really wonderful to watch. Um, did anything, sort of change like did you find between like did your objective change at any point as you were making the film or did you go like look I'd love to get coverage of this and, and go back and shoot it but I can't or were you like no this is always the story that I had decided to tell and I'm just trying to figure out the best sort of punctuation to tell that mm, yeah I mean I think from the start it was to me it felt quite simple and I think it is a really simple like that's why the, the, the we went with the title "The Building and Burning of Refugee Camp" because it is basically that simple. Like uh, there's a there's a a, a positive constructive uh, like gesture of of building a camp and and also like they were caught like that building that camp uh, they were calling for housing of all homeless people, um, asylum seekers, or people who were already in the country or from from Ireland. And also, like they, there was, there is, there was. It's not in the final film, but there was a homeless man from Dublin living in right beside the camp, uh, who they were really good friends with and got on really well. And and he managed to talk down some some people who were coming to like 
attacked the camp a few times. They listened to him because because he was a white Irish guy. Um, but he was like very much on on the side of the of the asylum seekers. But um, but so yeah, no, it, it was always just like there's yeah there's there's the positive constructive gesture and there's the the negative destructive gesture and then it's just it was just like uh yeah the waiting and, and pacing of of introducing the get like allowing us in to the to the to the camp because i suppose maybe if people aren't involved in activism or uh who just don't know maybe people who who go through the asylum system maybe like they wouldn't go into the camp or something i don't know they might just walk by not that people not that many people would go into maybe like a camp for for homeless people no matter what so so it felt like i've always been because when you work with this stuff like you realize how welcoming those spaces are and so it was sort of like to try to to demonstrate the the welcome and the positivity despite the incredibly difficult circumstances and then yeah, and then to then to, to put that put that alongside the 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 destructive the destructive drive of the fire right. Well, one of the things I love actually about everybody's film on this panel is the depth of the themes and how there's different perspectives, completely different perspectives, but just tackling something that's very um kind of poignant for everybody. Um and like each single film does that in in a different way about like connection in an in an animation and you know the cost of modern society and burnout and then you know like intergenerational trauma and like the plight of being a woman and racism in Ireland and this destruction of like it's just it's just a beautiful watch I just want to say that I really really enjoyed everyone's films like it's like if I start yeah. talking about each and everyone's like Gemma yeah. would be like shut up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the same just Congratulations on <laughs> everyone's work. There's so much humanity in them, and it re- they really struck a chord at me. And thanks for that. Thanks for making them. Hey guys. Yeah, Thank you guys. I feel the same. Fair play to you all. Uh, it'd be nice to all meet, hopefully. Yeah, yeah I hope to get to see you as I did. Yeah, it'd be nice. That'd be really cool. Some of familiar faces as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cross your hands. That'd be really cool. And when can we see your films? When is your screening? If we go through it, Derek. Mine is screening on the 24th of February at 2pm at Lighthouse Cinema. Dennis? Uh, mine is on the 27th, Tuesday the 27th of February at half past six. And that will be screening in the Circular Bar in Rialto. Jess? Jess had her information up and uh. lost it. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I am also on the 24th of February where Wells is screening in Lighthouse on the 24th. And Tanya. I'm on the 20th, Thursday the 29th in the Lighthouse at 4pm. Fabulous. Well, I could not recommend them more highly. You're anyone who's getting their tickets now for Diff, you're in for a treat. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thanks, Thanks Gemma. Thanks, Gemma. You can explore the Dublin International Film Festival programme and buy tickets now at diff.ie.